there, movie fans. It's Real Reels again with Robin. And Lisa. We've been having a great time doing this podcast and sharing some of our favorites and trivia with you. And we just wanted to thank all of you who have listened and watched along with us, as well as sent us recommendations and feedback. It has made the podcast so much fun. Yeah, definitely. I love the suggestions that are coming in. There are some that I've never heard of before, and I'm really excited to try them out. Our list of films is very lengthy, and we have a lot of material to go through. But we're really excited to incorporate those into our list because it's obviously just ever shifting. So this is fun. So far, we have been sharing films we've loved growing up, but today we're doing something a little different, right, Lisa? Yeah, this week's movie brought you way back down to earth. It's Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah, we didn't grow up watching this one. I watched it once when I was in college, but if you have seen any iconic American celebrity photos, you'll recognize the image of James Dean in a bright red jacket pouting against the wall. And this is that movie. The only thing that I knew about this movie was that James Dean was in it and his iconic red red jacket. So I was pretty unfamiliar with it before doing some research on it this time too. Yeah. So let's talk about what this movie is about and why it's so iconic, why it's so special. It's the story of three distressed and possibly disturbed teenagers dealing with some ordinary teenage angst, being misunderstood by parents and peer pressure, as well as some not as ordinary problems like knife fights, playing chicky in cars near cliff sides, and extremely violent bullying. Jim Stark, James Dean's misfit, misfit character, has parents who dote on him and get him out of scrapes anytime he behaves badly to the extent of moving to different towns. But this overindulgence is exactly what makes him crazy. Don't I buy everything you want? A a bicycle? You get a bicycle. A car? You buy me many things. No, no. Well, not just buy. We give you love and affection, don't we? Well, Well, then what is it? Was it because we went to that party? Well, you know what kind of drunken brawls those kind of parties turn into. It's not a place for kids. A minute ago, you said you didn't care if he drinks. He said a little drink. You're tearing me apart! What? You, you say one thing, he says another, and everybody changes back again! His new neighbor, Judy, played by Natalie Wood, has her own issues. Now that she's grown up, her father has become distant and standoffish, but... She just wants him to love her. Daddy. Yeah. Haven't you forgotten something? What? What's the matter with you? You're getting too old for that kind of stuff, kiddo. I thought you'd stop doing that long ago. I didn't want to stop. Did you want to stop what? Uh, nothing, nothing. I was talking to Dad. I didn't kiss her, so it's a big thing. Then there's Plato. His parents have neglected him, leaving him in the care of their family maid. She's desperately trying to keep his mental health together. But as we see in the film, he's hanging on by a thread. There are a lot of psychological issues to unpack here. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's got their own little problems. And it's it's interesting that this movie focuses on the middle class mostly and i think that a lot of times in the past a lot of the the teen issues have been problem of the lower class maybe this genre really didn't exist so much before this movie was made we'll get into that later 
Jim and Judy meet because they are neighbors. Jim immediately likes Judy and sort of tries to get in with her tight-knit group of friends. They're her knife-toting, tire-slashing, jeans-wearing, juvenile delinquent friends. But they won't let him in without a fight or a car chase to a cliffside. Like all initiation rituals, things go horribly, though unsurprisingly wrong. Rebel Without a Cause is, it's not a plucky, silly teenage comedy. It takes itself very seriously. And to be honest, it's a bit of a bummer. But (laughs) it's considered an American iconic film from the 1950s. And we'll tell you why. There are a lot of things that led to the success of this film, and I'm sure you have a lot of your own thoughts as well. So one of the big reasons that it was so successful centered around James Dean, actually. He actually died right after the movie was filmed, but before it hit the screens. He was in an automobile accident, which broke his neck, and he actually died in a 1955 Porsche 550 Spider, which was in on a poster in his bedroom wall in the movie. So if you wanted to see, it was in the movie. He was known as a speed demon, but he had just received a ticket for going too fast a couple hours before the accident and wasn't currently speeding at the time. He had a mechanic friend with him who said that it wasn't due to speeding. It was just due to a misjudgment that he got into a car crash and, and tragically died. But there was a lot of interest built up around him because of his tragic death and how young he was and what a heartthrob he was at the time as well. Yeah, he made three huge movies, one right after the other, and died before he really became as famous as he was soon to be. He was in East of Eden and Giant and Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah, and just a little side note about how popular he was becoming at the beginning of Rebel Without a Cause, they were shooting it in black and white, which is much cheaper to produce. But the studio realized that he was becoming such a big deal that they decided, no, we're going to produce this in color. And they had to reshoot like over half of the movie just because James Dean was going to be a big deal and they knew it. Yeah. Which was interesting. Yes. And apparently the first draft of the of the film or the the first uh, shooting of the film had a much more interesting backstory for the gang members. They had more going on there, but they cut all of that and were like, let's focus on James Dean. So the gang uh, lost their personality a little bit with the operations. <laughs> Which um, he did such a great job acting in the movie that I didn't miss it. <laughs> I don't think I missed it anyway. Yeah. Honestly, but... he steals the screen. He's a method actor. And he was kind of known for getting very absorbed into his characters to the extent that in the knife fight in the film, he actually does get injured because they're using real knives and they tried to stop it anytime he got injured and he would be furious about it because he was in the zone. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And one of the reasons that he's so iconic as a popular figure at the time was that he was just so different from what popular meant back then. He was like cool in quotations and cool kind of meant something maybe a little bit different than what we think of right now, but 
it kind of means like going against the grain, not worrying what the popular kids think and being a little bit more laid back. So his mumbling demeanor, his just leaning against things and just not really caring too much about what the popular kids were doing was considered very cool. And teens of the age started to emulate that kind of behavior after the movie. Plain white t-shirts sales even went up significantly after this film, which I think is super funny. Yeah. And I thought it was funny too, because I felt like just the way that he was acting, I just thought that he was buzzed throughout the entire movie. Like he was supposed to be drunk, even though he's intoxicated in the first scene. I thought that he was actually drunk throughout the entire movie because of just how he was acting. But we actually never see him drinking in the movie. Right. He does act legitimately inebriated at the beginning of the film, but never again is that the implication that he's been drinking. But yeah, ever since, teens and celebrities have been emulating him and trying to go for the careless, cool demeanor. So it was it was unique because, like I said, the teen drama genre wasn't really as big of a deal back then. It was, um, although Nicholas Ray, the director of Rebel Without a Cause, might disagree and say that Romeo and Juliet was the ultimate juvenile delinquent play. <laughs> that oh, interesting. Yeah, but Nicholas Ray really liked doing films about young people and liked what he thought was exposing the seedy underbelly of suburbia. That was his thing. Rebel Without a Cause was a huge success as it, I think it created multidimensional teenage characters and shown an empathetic light on what was at the time an underrepresented demographic. But life is crushing in on me. Life can be beautiful. (laughs) I know where it was. Where what was? Where I first saw you. Everything going okay now? You live here, don't you? Who lives? So no one really shone the light on teenagers the same way that Nicholas Ray did in Rebel Without a Cause. And today it's so much more common. I mean, we've got we've got Breakfast Club and all the John Hughes movies, My So-Called Life, and it's all centered on middle-class teenagers who have pretty good parents, pretty good living situations, but are super bored or disenchanted with life in general. Ironically, highlighting the real struggles of being a teen led to the industry capitalizing on the untapped market of teens who had perhaps more money and time to burn watching watching films and subsequent lighthearted teen culture films like Elvis Presley musicals that were Mm -hmm. to get huge in the 1960s in their minds kids were where the money was at and that hasn't led up since yeah they're the ones with disposable income right so this film is really it, it can make you feel like it's showing that teens are just this misunderstood poor group of of individuals who just have it so hard but james dean actually is quoted as saying though I couldn't find the context for the quote, he says, I think the one thing this picture shows that's new is the psychological disproportion of the kids' demands on the parents. Parents Mm -hmm. are often at fault 
but the kids have some work to do. So it's interesting that James Dean comes out on the parent side of things. Yeah, that is interesting. And um, not necessarily what you would take away from the film. Not really at all. (laughs) But yeah, as we mentioned, he did East of Eden and I did watch East of Eden and it's, I I really like that movie. He does a really good job in that one. I think it's superior to Rebel, but, but I think you should see Rebel if you want to see something that is the ultimate American teen drama. So let's talk about what our favorite scenes are in the movie. I actually have quite a few. (laughs) Um, I think my favorite scene was when Jim, Judy, and Plato play house in that abandoned mansion. I just thought it was interesting to think about how teens fill the holes that they have in their lives with the friends that they choose. Um, But Jim wanted to have a father who was like a strong leader, and he kind of became the strong leader father figure in that little circle. And Judy wanted a father figure who was gentle and loving, and Jim filled that role for her. Which I also found kind of funny because when she tells him, oh, I think that love is or I think a real man is gentle and loving. He's like, what? (laughs) Because he hated his father's doormat personality and he kind of didn't see that in himself, that he was like a gentle man. But that's what she wanted and that is what she saw in him. And then Plato also wanted just to have present parents, which Jim and Judy kind of were for a little bit in the film. But the one part of the scene that I actually like the most is, is when they're out by the pool and they're just kind of chatting together and Plato's getting a little bit sleepy. And then Judy starts humming Brahms lullaby to him, something that his mother probably would never have done. And then you see Plato start to like push on something. And then you realize that it's the bottom half of a rocking chair that has no seat on it, which I think is like pretty symbolic of him reaching and wanting to be still childlike in a lot of ways. But there's just a completely absent father like or and mother. There's just nobody in the rocking chair seat. And he's just like desperately trying to hold on to his childhood but there's no one there for him this movie is really good at leaving little bits and pieces for you to think oh i wonder what this means like it's all very intentional even the natalie wood character judy has the same hairstyle as james dean's character's mom i don't know yeah i realized that when his mom was in the police car and she had her head down i was like oh did she did judy get arrested and then I realized that, oh, no, that's his mom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that I think and that is intentional, though. James Dean basically invented cool demeanor. And he does do that in the movie. He has several scenes that are very emotional. And I really like the very emotional scenes because they really show his character more. My kids were actually pretty upset by the film. My, I let my older kids watch it because it's pretty intense. I think they were expecting something upbeat and positive. But Rebel Without a Cause is a very tense movie. I usually keep my reflections on the film to after it's over when we watch a movie together. But my older kids got frustrated with the decisions of the characters. That being said, I think the knife fight was the most intense scene. 
the audience is meant to feel for Jim Stark. He wants to avoid trouble because he's you get the impression that he's just trying to do the right thing, but makes pretty bad choices. But he also isn't willing to be painted as a coward. And the subject of courage and being a man, like you said, is brought up by Jim Stark a lot. He seems to want the difference between moral courage and bravado explained to him. But his father seems to not know how to explain it. So he gets the two confused throughout the movie. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's obviously asking his dad, like point blank, asking his dad to just explain it to him. And his dad's just like, well, we just got to take time. And then uh, then if we don't know, then we'll just ask somebody. <laughs> it's like, he's right. asking you. <laughs> or you'll get it later. <laughs> With yeah. grown up. No, I don't want you to go to the police. There were other people. Why should you be the only one involved? But I am involved. We are all involved. Mom, a boy, a kid was killed tonight. I don't see how I can get out of that by pretending that it didn't happen. Well, you know that you did the wrong thing. That's the main thing, isn't That's it? That's nothing. That's... That is absolutely nothing. Dad, you told me. You said you, you want me to tell the truth. Now, didn't you say that? I was thinking about the... In the scenes where he gets called chicken and then he's talking to his dad about how he has to defend his honor. Okay, did you or did you not immediately think about Back to the Future? (laughs) Oh, yeah. I thought of Back to the Future, too. He does kind of make me think of a Marty McFly character in a way. I mean, he's not. They're very different. But I did keep kind of having that in the back of my mind as I was watching the movie. Yeah, well, I the more that I watched it, the more I was like, I think that Back to the Future is just a big response to <laughs> this movie because Marty McFly even has this red, red vest oh. the entire movie. And then he has like his father is like the same character, just this kind of like doormat person. And it's almost if James Dean had a time machine and could go back in time like Marty McFly, he could go back and fix his dad into being the <laughs> the brave person that he was supposed to be. It is so true. It's so true. And, <laughs> so and even even the um the leader of the gang. Okay, so in Back to the Future, his name is Biff, and in this one, his name is Buzz. And it's just like it's so similar. <laughs> yeah. I actually did think we're kind of hopping into a different um, subject, but I actually thought of West Side Story the whole time, too. Like, West Side Story is basically a rebel without a cause with music. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, and this one's not like a specific scene that I liked, but I did find it interesting, just an interesting thing that maybe the, the film was saying that towards the beginning of the film, the high school students are all in this planetarium watching a lecture on galaxies and the birth and deaths of planets. And the lecturer says that we think our problems are so big, but then in the grand scheme of things, it's just a blip and nobody cares, basically, <laughs> which is kind of one of the themes that they are talking about in this in this movie is just that we're all rebels without a cause our problems really aren't as big as we think they are. But then at the end of after the the huge showdown with the cops at the end and everybody leaves, we realize that we're back at the planetarium and it's now morning. And the lecturer, the guy that, from the beginning of the film, is actually back heading into work. 
and, and just as the credits roll. And I don't know exactly what it's saying. Maybe just that like that our problems seem huge, but people still go back to their jobs and most of the world doesn't even know that this huge traumatic event happened through the course of the night and everything just keeps on going. Which is kind of a sad way to wrap up the movie on that. Oh yeah, definitely. (laughs) I mean the whole, yeah, it's a sad, it's a sad movie. I hate to mention this one because it's lighthearted, but my last scene that I thought was funny, it's also a very famous scene, is the opening scene of the inebriated James Dean sleeping on the street with the toy monkey that he finds. And he was, this was completely improvised. Apparently they'd been shooting for 24 (laughs) hours straight without a lot of rest and he was exhausted and because he's a method actor and just likes to do spontaneous things, he told the director, Nicholas Ray, to roll the cameras because he wanted to, quote, try something. And so he's on the street and he tucks in the monkey and it became the famous opening scene. <laughs> I wonder what they had before. So they had a bunch of other details before families driving by or like I, I believe there were some gang activity on the street as well but they just cut it out and went straight to james dean being slumped on the street Hmm. it does set the tone for the whole movie because you watch it and you're kind of you kind of want to laugh but you're also unsettled by somebody sleeping on the street yeah yeah james dean character he laughs a lot of times in inappropriate parts too which is one of the reasons why i was like he must is he drunk the whole time but I don't think he is. I think he's just doesn't know how to react to things. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like it's a very authentic teenager movie. I mean, the the way that the teenagers, I mean, not obviously not all teenagers, not us, of course. <laughs> is like, but, you know, teens making inappropriately timed jokes or taking glee and other people's misfortune, but not even really realizing the seriousness of what they're doing and having this right oh we're immortal yeah yeah not necessarily malicious but just kind of ill-timed so that was rebel without a cause and if we have any suggestions for movies that people should see after this one i would probably start with back to the future or greece they're both a lot more lighthearted, pretty funny but they kind of have similar themes in them or about teenage angst a little bit what about you robin yeah and west side story really similar <laughs> with this movie i kept thinking about james franco because i think james franco is basically a copy pasted james dean but oh yeah um he actually did a james dean biography film biopic east of eden is a great james dean movie one of his other ones he won an oscar for that one and his movie giants which i have not seen but if you don't have time to watch those just wear a plain white tee with jeans and cruise around in a hot rod and that'll get you into the spirit of things (laughs) i know after this movie i was thinking oh that would be a fun halloween costume and then next week we have something just a little bit more lighthearted to take the edge off actually i want to tell you what the plan is for october We are going to do a Halloween theme all throughout October because there's so many good spooky monster movies. We're going to start out with 
really lighthearted ones and as the weeks go by in october get a little bit darker a little spookier in october with these movies so watch for that thanks again everybody for watching this has been really fun and yeah keep the comments on instagram coming keep recommendations coming sometimes people have been sending it directly to us or sometimes people post them on our accounts but yeah we really like the involvement and go ahead and ask any questions or if you know more about these films than we do please post any comments you have we'll be really excited to read them and respond yeah absolutely bye (laughs) 